Hey, and welcome to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hi, guys. And Mike. Hello. And the first thing I want to talk about is something that I've been waiting to hear for a very, very long time. And that is Paper Mario, the Origami King, was announced. And I've said several times on the show before that I've been dying to get my hands on a traditional Paper Mario game for years and years now. And it seems like this is finally it. You know, there's still some question as to how many of the elements from the New York games are going to make it in. But the consensus seems to be that this seems to be a return to form for Paper Mario. Really? And that's what I've seen just reading online. And what I that's like the opposite of what I've seen. I uh, so we might have different talking points here. Well, see, so that's that's the thing here. All in all, like the trailer looks fantastic. OK, let's just put that out there. Regardless oh, yeah, of what gorgeous. kind of Paper Mario it is, the trailer looks incredible. But like. I've seen arguments on both sides quite frequently, so I think that speaks to there's just not enough information for for an opinion to be solidified either way. Like, is this a return to a traditional Paper Mario, or is it more in the vein of like the uh, the newer Paper Marios, which are less reliant on the sort of like turn-based RPG mechanics? So See, I, I don't, I don't know. What do you it's... what do you guys think? I don't think it's either of those because like we've seen the we've seen the like rotating disc system that it uses, right? For combat. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? Yes. And we don't know a ton about that, but that alone makes me more attracted to it than a traditional Paper Mario because I you know how I feel about turn based RPGs. I uh but that, yeah. that extra element does a lot for me, I think. Yeah, so like the com- we haven't seen too much of the combat from what we have seen though. Like yes, we have that rotation element, but it looked like we saw like uh, I think Game Explain put like a 20 second clip on their YouTube channel today, and it was of combat, and we saw the disc rotation thing where Mario like lined up the enemies, but then when it came time to attack, like they they he didn't have like a consumable attack like he did in the newer paper marios he he got to choose between like boots and hammer and then he attacked that way and that to me is very exciting and to me points in the direction of the older mario games but still i feel like we don't have enough information to say that concretely but i think it's pointing in that direction at least yeah i i think in general like to me as a non massive paper mario fan like the, the only one for for reference the only one i've played and completed and really liked is Super Paper Mario, which is kind of the the original black sheep of the franchise. And yeah. I would say it's still kind of a black sheep because it's the one that, like, nobody really hates it, but not everybody really considers it a real Paper Mario game. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting, because I think our experiences are a little inverted. My only experience with Paper Mario is the original and then Thousand Year Door. And I gave Super Paper Mario a shot. And I think I believe I gave Sticker Star a shot, and both of them just did not click with me. Um, people because hate I my- Sticker Star and Color Splash, but I don't think I don't think very many people hate Super Paper Mario. Super Paper Mario wasn't bad. Yeah, like I yeah, I remember it as a game. I remember it was good, but I was heavily biased just because I went in expecting like the sequel to Thousand Year Door, and I didn't get that. Could be worth giving another shot, but but yeah, go ahead. It, it has excellent writing. And, and that's uh, that's another place where I'm worried about this new game. Because, like, you know, a lot of people are worried about the combat. I'm not. I think what we've seen of the combat tells me that it's something I could enjoy if the writing is good. But uh, the characters look kind of bland compared to, like, Thousand Year Door. And that's I love the characters in Thousand yeah. Year Door. So that's another point of concern. I know, like, some of the newer Paper Marios, the, like, w- one of the best things about the first two Paper Mario games were the unique companion characters and stuff like that. And... In the later Paper Mario games, like, I I don't remember which one it was, but, like, there was one Paper Mario where, like, all the companions were, like, pixels or something. That's Super oh, Paper yeah, Mario. That was Super yeah, Paper that was, Mario. and it was just, like, I thought that was just so unoriginal and boring compared well, to, they, like... they weren't really companions. It was, like, the pixels were, like, uh, tools you could use. Right, yeah. They didn't really think, talk a lot. And the, the actual they, companions were, like, Peach, Luigi, and Bowser. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yes, so my memory isn't the best on that, but still, I think my point still stands that, like, the companions of the original two games have not been matched in any capacity but by whatever they were replaced by in the subsequent games. And I'd really like a return to, like, the feeling of, like, as you progress through this paper RBG, you, you gather people on your crew and become more powerful and become more specialized because, like, each person 
offers like a unique ability and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that about the first two games. And from what we've seen so far, like it seems at first glance, you just see like a Goomba and like a bomb bomb, nothing too special. But like, then you see that, like that captain toe looking guy. He, well, he's not exactly captain toe, but he looks like an archeologist of sorts. And like, a couple other unique designs here and there. So I, I still don't, that's still up in the air to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it looked bad uh, on that front. Like, and I can live without that. Like if the writing is good, even if the characters look kind of bland, I'll be okay. But yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Cause it, cause just, it kind of looks like there's a whole like team up with Bowser dynamic here. And that can be interesting. I know it's not necessarily what paper Mario fans have been clamoring for. Yeah. I so also saw a lot of um, people complaining that they don't like the paper gimmicks and like, Okay, so I was actually leading to that. So the paper gimmicks, I think people associate the paper gimmicks more with the latter games. Because, like, it seemed like the first two games... They were in Thousand Year Door, weren't they? Like, a little bit? They were. So the first two games were were RPGs with some light paper-ness, I guess. Like, paper-ness sprinkled throughout the game. I mean, the first one didn't have any paper-ness, did it? Like, it was just an art style. Just, like, yeah, just, like, aesthetic things. Like, when you fall, you, like, float down because you're a piece of paper, stuff like that. Okay. But, like, then the latter games, like, constructed entire gameplay mechanics and, like, defined their level design around being paper. And I think that, uh, a lot of people took that to, like, be the replacement for the RPG mechanics. And I think that's why people are so averse to the paper mechanics. I'm okay with the paper mechanics as long as they work in concert with the RPG mechanics. But, like, I think that's why people are really kind of, like, reacting to the paper mechanics in a bad way. Just worth noting, in Super Paper Mario, you're not really paper. You're more like inside of a computer program or something, is is the aesthetic. Yeah, it's all digital or something. Yeah, which I liked. But yeah, like, so the origami seems to be the gimmick of this game. And I think it's super cool, like, how the, like, I think it has really powerful, like, story and just sort of environmental implications. Just like how that trailer opened with, like, that origami peach. It was, like, really creepy and off-putting. Yeah, like, I really liked that. The way the trailer was able to set the tone like that really reminded me of the original Paper Mario game. So, like, when I first watched the trailer, I was so excited just based off the first few seconds. Because just tone tonally, it felt like it was doing what the original games were able to do. But then, you know, obviously, as the trailer goes, there's more of a question of, like, hey, these companions just look like standard enemies. And, like, how much of this really is like the old Paper Mario games? But regardless, I'm still so, so excited. Like, I feel like I've been I've been waiting for this game for a while, regardless of what form it ultimately takes. I, yeah, I think it'll probably be something I pick up because it it looks super charming, if nothing else. And so me at, like a lot of what I've been saying is because I've been reading the comments of diehard fans and stuff and like taking their criticisms into account. But like really me as like a super casual Paper Mario fan. This looks really good to me. Yeah, just uh, I think the art style more than ever just looks so striking. Oh, and, yeah. And <clears throat> I think this game, like, I don't remember Super Paper Mario enough to say, like, like did that game have, like, a meaningful story at all? Or was it just, like, levels strung together? No, it totally had a story that was very good, in my opinion. I liked okay. it a lot. So, yes, so that that seems to be something that Paper Mario games are consistently good at. But, like, I, I've... I remember not being as sucked into it as I was for, like, say, Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door was masterful in that regard. So, like, I I hope that the story, at least, is as, well, not as good, but, like, approaches the highs of Thousand Year Door. I'm glad they have an original villain this time, the Origami King, uh, yeah, presumably. Because uh, that was one thing about Color Splash. Like, Color Splash didn't even look that bad to me as a casual fan. I didn't end up buying it because it just kind of looked bland, which I think is a huge problem with it. But what really sold how bland it was to me was the fact that you fought the Koopalings as bosses in it. And that's just so yeah. lame. That's so tired. That's some new Super Mario Bros. stuff. Like, yeah. And plus, like, I feel like, you know, uh, Color Splash and Sticker Star really leaned heavy into, like, different paper gimmicks. You know, obviously, like, coloring and stickers. And yeah. that's really not what anyone really asked for. Like, no. I don't know. I feel like maybe you're getting a younger audience with that sort of stuff. But, like, the core audience that expects or just really wanted the 
RPG mechanics wasn't they weren't able to get that. Right. I uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this one, and also uh, this perhaps confirms the rumors about uh the Mario remasters this year because they also mentioned a new Paper Mario game. Yeah, so that's really exciting, right? Because uh, this is the first evidence of that sort of leak being true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting the new Paper Mario, so I think the fall, it's looking more and more likely like the fall, the big fall for Nintendo are going to be those Mario remakes. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. If only we could get uh, some Paper Mario remakes, though. I don't understand the 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 desire for the Paper Mario remakes because that is not an art style that's gonna be. I mean, I think it's more just to. I I shouldn't have said remake. I meant just remaster or something. Like just throw those games on there with no improvements and I'll buy them. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I mean I yeah that's how I played the original Paper Mario. What little I did of it, I played it on the Wii on the Virtual Console. I uh. I didn't know, like, I I was still a kid, and I didn't know that Paper Mario and Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door were different games, because I remember as a kid, I I actually saved up a ton of money waiting to buy uh, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, because I'd heard it was so good, and I was so excited to buy it, but I did one of those stupid, dumb kid things where, like, something else in the store caught my eye the day I went in to finally buy it, and I bought something else instead. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, I don't remember what game that was, so it probably sucked. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason so many people are so excited for this game. Like, Paper Mario has a really special place in a lot of people's hearts. And uh, yeah, it I definitely am. has yeah, it definitely has a special place in my heart. I'm excited for the combat, but I think it's uh, interesting that people are so hung up on Paper Mario combat over the writing. Because I do think the writing was something special and unique. But uh, I honestly think that the action-based uh, combat was done just as well, if not better, by the Mario and Luigi series. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really played the Mario and Luigi series too much, so I can't comment too much on those. But I will say that the combat system in the original two Paper Mario games was absolutely fantastic. And I think a large part of that, yes, it was, uh, it had like the turn-based uh, battle system, right? But like st- creative things like, you know, how your partners were implemented into the battle, as well as the badge system. I loved the badge system uh, for equ- equipping certain effects and power-ups, Um based off your BP, your badge power, and you get more badge power as you level up. And, like, as you level up, you can choose to put points into HP, SP, or BP, and, like... Right. Or, no, so it, was, it was actual honest-to-god RPG. Power. Yeah, yeah, it was flower power instead of, like, mana or yeah. whatever. But, yeah, just all of that meshed with the charming paper aesthetic just made for such a memorable game. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. I, We'll definitely be talking about this one when it comes out. What what was the release date? July 17th? That sounds right. It was July something. Yeah, I know it was July. It's soon. Like, that's that's a two-month... Yeah, uh, you know, nobody knew about this, and then two months later, it's out. I love yeah. when Nintendo does that, because I'm not somebody that likes relishing in hype. Like, two months is a pretty good hype cycle for me. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. perfect amount of time to announce a game. Mike, were you going to say something? No, I really wasn't. It's two months away, though. We're definitely going to talk about it. That's I, I, what's your uh, sort of history with Paper Mario, Mike? I've only played the Thousand Year Door, so any view of Paper Mario is jaded by the Thousand Year Door. Well, yeah. So I think Thousand. Oh Year no, Door... actually, I did play Super Paper Mario. I lie. Okay, I forgot yeah, yeah. about that one. <laughs> but I think Thousand Year Door is, by and large, considered the the best in the franchise. So we'll see it's where like this one stacks peak. up. Yeah, I I will. Be the first to admit the gameplay in Super Paper Mario was not thrilling, but it was inoffensive and the writing was stellar. And that's what that's what I really remember about it. Yeah. And I just loved how, um, like, in, in Thousand Year Door, like, it expanded on elements of Paper Mario in, in such creative ways, right? So, like, it, it sounds minor now when we talk about it, but, like, when you first got to play as, like, Peach or Bowser... And, like, you found out that, like, Peach and Bowser had their own storylines and you could play as them in those. Like, that was a huge deal in Thousand Year Door. And I love that Luigi has that storyline that you're just not a part of at all. Yeah. He's collecting, like, the golden compass or something. Or the the rainbow compass. I forget. Yeah. Ugh. God, such good that. times. 
It's also, like, almost literally gallows humor a little bit, because, like, you're walking around Rogueport and Thousand Year Door, and there's just a noose in the middle of town that nobody addresses. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like a pirate town, right? Yeah. A thief pirate town, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you deal with the mafia and everything, like... <laughs> Yeah, I need to replay Thousand Year Door. It's been so long since I've played it. I do too. I should probably but, play it a first time, but here we but are. But yeah, just like another thing about the Paper Mario games I love are the locations you explore, and I'm so excited to see what they cook up for this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I distinctly I mean, remember there being like a haunted area in each game. I feel like that's sort of tradition. Maybe we'll it, see that re- reappear again. It looks super good from the trailer. I mean, you see, like, the, these huge open areas. Like, there's that, yeah. that scene where Mario's riding that shoe around. <laughs> and, like, yeah, the yeah. Uh, he's he's got a boat at one point, and they're sailing around. So I feel like there's going to be a couple, like, big, wide-open areas that you can explore. I almost wonder if they're going to do... Um, nah, surely they won't do uh, random encounters. Those have kind of fallen out of vogue. Um... Because they never I, have I before, don't... have they? Uh, Paper I mean, Mario, they're not you've always been able to see the enemy. Yeah, you've always been able to see the enemy, so I don't see why they would change that now. Because, like, you, you know, you see the enemy and you can get a preemptive strike in with, like, your hammer or jumping on them or whatever. It also seemed like, I mean, I'm sure it's Paper Mario. It's not going to be extraordinarily difficult, but, like, it looked like if you were bad at this wheel combat system, like, there are a lot of enemies there. Like, you could get messed up pretty quick, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and I so it seems like depending on maybe what level you are or something or some other criteria, you get so many rotations per turn. Yeah. Like the little clip you saw, he had like one rotation, then he was able to use that one to line them all up and yeah, and, and it's almost like a puzzle them. game. Yeah, I do think yeah, it seems promising. I think this edition. It's just a question of how much of the other turn-based stuff did they strip, if they did at all. Yeah. But yeah, like, so I think this summer is shaping up to be a really exciting uh, summer for games, especially for me. Uh, So, like, as we have it now, we've got The Last of Us Part 2 coming out in June. And then in July, we have uh, Paper Mario, The Origami King, and Ghost of Tsushima coming out on the same day. And that's going to be a huge day for me. I think both of those games are going to be a day one buy, and it'll just be one of those things where I go back and forth between those two games for the weekend or something like that. Yeah, a real Doom Animal Crossing scenario for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's happened twice in one year where two major games come out, and I'm pretty thrilled about that. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the... Uh, they did a state of play, Sony did a state of play, where they showed like 20 or so minutes of pure gameplay footage of Ghost of Tsushima. I did not. Is that a is that a Sony exclusive? Yeah. Okay. So it's made by Sucker Punch, the same studio who did the Infamous series. Oh wow. And That's probably gonna be very good then. Yeah, so the Infamous series are are great, uh, obviously. But I feel like just just looking at from what we've seen uh, so far of this game, this game seems like a step up from everything Infamous was. Just in terms of, like, from gameplay to environment to story to world to to just production values and design philosophy. Like, everything seems dialed up. And I think that sort of gels with the, the story of Sony on the PS4 this generation, right? We've had um, Guerrilla Games come out with Horizon Zero Dawn, which was, like, this new breakout franchise after they've been making Killzone forever. And then obviously we have, you know, Naughty Dog. Um, they put out Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy, which just, you know, took the Uncharted formula to it. It brought the Uncharted formula into next gen and really was like an early showcase of what was possible on the PlayStation 4. And we have um, obviously Sony Santa Monica uh, creating God of War, which completely elevated and reinvented the franchise and now is like. I mean, I've said it before, God of War is my favorite game of the generation. So I feel like this generation, the Sony, Sony first-party studios have really sort of leveled up. And uh, it seems like the same thing is happening for Sucker Punch. I watched that gameplay demo, and, um, well, quick impressions, it looks very, very good. But, like, 
they're doing really creative things. Like it seems like so serene and beautiful and brutal at the same time. So it's it's a samurai game, right? But like it's a and you've got like a vast open world, but like they said they wanted to minimize the UI as much as possible and let like game design decisions guide the player around the map, kind of like Breath of the Wild. And I think that's very exciting. So this might be the start of Breath of the Wild influencing open world games like everybody said it it was going to. Yeah. That's very exciting. And they said things like, like, if you want to search a certain area, like kind of like setting a waypoint on a map like you would in a Ubisoft game, like you can pick like a direction. It's not like setting a waypoint. You like pick a direction you want to go and the wind starts blowing in that direction and you follow the wind to sort of go where you want to go. Oh, that's really cool. And I think that's a really neat idea. And um, <clears throat> they showed off, like... So the game is called Ghost of Tsushima. So you start as a samurai and sort of turn into a ghost. And by ghost, it means, like, assassin, right? So, like, there's two flavors to the combat, like, stealth, like, assassinations and stuff, as well as, like, samurai, one-on-one, honorable-type duels, right? And they really said they wanted to, like, respect the sword in the combat, right? So, like, one or two strikes and you're dead. So you have to, like, it's it's like you're holding a real sword, right? So, like, a lot of the enemies you'll be able to kill in one strike if you cut correctly. And the same applies to you. Like, you're very vulnerable. And there's, like, all sorts of different, like, sword stances in the game and stuff, like, and different sorts of samurai slash ninja gear and gadgets and as well as like you know different kinds of armor like based for like combat and or stealth and i think all in all it's just shaping up to be a really sort of compelling game a lot of people are thinking this is like the assassin's creed japan that we never got uh that like a lot of people have been asking for for years now they want ubisoft to take assassin's creed to japan but like this seems like a very very refined version of that and I'm pretty excited to get into it. Yeah, you're selling me on it pretty hard, I think. It's definitely something I'm going to have to look at. I don't think it'll be a day one buy for me, but... Uh, yeah, I highly recommend watching that uh, State of Play, because I, uh, I think the game's director was like narrating over it, and like it gives a really good picture of what that game is all about. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of an art style that's not super appealing to me, but... Uh, Really, uh, I think the, I think the art style is gorgeous. Like it's very sort of bright and like uh, windswept, I guess. Yeah. Oh, no, I really more. love that art style. Based on what I've seen of it, I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'll have to look at it some more. But yeah, so that and Paper Mario are coming out on the same day, and I'm very happy about that. So. But, you know what uh, already came out? Yes. This uh, this past Friday, uh, the 16th. I think it was Friday. Terraria. Yeah, Terraria 1. It was Saturday. Terraria 1.4, the final update, Journey's End. I have put a lot of time into this update uh, already. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to have a server up, weren't you? Yeah, I've got one. Yeah. I uh, did you not get the uh, the IP? Oh, is it a Skype? Uh, yeah. I'll have to check it out later. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot it to you again if you can't find it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, I, I meant to, I know we talked about doing a playthrough and stuff, but Terraria is such, like, a nostalgic game for me that I've been, like, really going out of my way to only play it with uh, yeah. my buddy Antonio and uh, my friend Ty from back in high school. Because, like, this game's nine years old now. And, like, you know, so we were kids when this came out. And, like, we've been playing it fairly regularly this entire time just all not like not regularly but all at once every year or so uh-huh it's kind of like yeah. what my minecraft is for me and some of my friends it sounds like like every time we pick it up i do like a walk down memory lane going through all my uh old worlds and stuff uh but it's such a big game i forget so much about it every time i play like there are, i mean there are thousands of craftable items in this game like I, I do not remember even half of them. That's wild. Yeah. And Thousands? Like, yeah. That sounds like it's much it has much more crafting than Minecraft, even. 1.4 alone added over 1,000 new items. Jeez. Yeah. And it's, you know, 
It's huge. I actually feel like I haven't seen a ton of new stuff yet. Like, I've seen some of the new systems, but I haven't done a ton of new items new to this update. But the, the way Terraria works, I'm doing stuff that's new to me, even though it's not new to this update. Like, there, there was an update a while back that added a, a whole fishing aspect to the game. And I, you know, I picked it up because uh, I'm playing a bit. I'm kind of addicted to it right now. So even when my buddy Antonio is n- not available to play, I'll fire up the game and just do some fishing. Yeah. And I've learned that there's an entire like progression you can do through the game reliant almost totally on fishing. Like you can fish up a fish that works as a pickaxe that is better than your starter pickaxe. You can fish up fish swords. Like there's a sword fish what? in the ocean you can get. You can fish up ore to craft armor. Like you can totally not like do the mining part of the game if you want to just do fishing instead, but the game plays kind of totally different that way interesting yeah but that's what i've been doing like i have all the there's like there's a uh, there's an item that in my opinion like if you don't have it you're not like you don't have your full move set until you have a cloud in the bottle in my opinion it's uh, it basically gives you a double jump but like there are a bunch of different kinds of cloud in a bottle and now there's a tsunami in a bottle and there's a there's an item called a balloon that makes you jump a little higher and you can catch a pufferfish balloon, and when you mix the, you can mix a balloon and a cloud in a bottle together, and just like that, you can mix a pufferfish and a tsunami in a bottle to get that same item. So it's like a whole, you know, it's it's very much the same, but it's different, and uh, that's awesome because I just didn't know this was even there. And I know there's at least one boss totally gated behind fishing, so I've never fought it before. That's crazy that there's even bosses gated behind fishing. So I'm like using weapons I've never used before. Um, I'm going to fight a boss I've never fought before. But they also added a master mode. I was going to say, are all these uh, part of this newest update, or are they just features you haven't explored That's just stuff where this game is so dense, I've never seen them before. Yeah, that's wild. But uh, new to this update, and definitely the most prevalent thing, is something called master mode, (laughs) which has enemies doing a ridiculously high amount of damage compared to what they normally do. And uh, they have way more health. And it, at first I was like, man, this kind of sucks. Like, they really just pumped up the numbers. And I kind of stand by it not really working in the early game. But uh, as I worked my way in farther uh, and got some armor and stuff, suddenly it, was, it wasn't that, like, an enemy was an instant death so much as, like, you have to be careful. Like... Yeah, and there there are items that I've never cared about before. Like there's a there's an item you can get that makes slimes not attack you, and slimes are like the weakest enemy. They're like cannon fodder, and there's a ton of them, but they're not cannon fodder anymore in master mode. A slime can wreck you easily, <laughs> and there's a lot of them. Uh so once you have this item that makes slimes non-hostile, like that's a game changer. <laughs> so you know suddenly the game was not even half as hard because I could just walk through these slimes. And they spawn everywhere, so that like limits the number of real enemies I have to fight at any given point. And we're having to like, like there are bosses in the game that like where I've played it so many times, I don't even worry about fighting them. Like you know, I get some early game gear and then fight them as like a means of skipping a lot of the game. But they're scary now. Like I had to work my way all all the way up to the highest tier armor I could without killing the boss before I fought the boss. Whereas usually I get like decent armor and immediately fight it in order to skip half the game yeah it sounds like this mode adds a whole new dimension to the game like right because like with this update there's new features and stuff but like this causes you to play the game completely differently yeah i mean this like me and my friends have never really been like people build a boss arenas and that's like an important part of terraria is like you know fighting on your own turf essentially Mm mm-hmm and we've never really done an arena more so than just a flat platform so that we could see the boss and, like, kite it a little bit. But now, like, we had to build an arena to fight a boss called the Eater of Worlds. We had to really build one. And I, like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I know we're going to have better gear by the time we get to it, but the hard mode bosses, and for those that don't know, uh, Terraria's kind of split down the middle. There's, like, the original release of the game, and then at one point, Redigit said, hmm, what if I just double the game? And he added uh, what's called hard mode, which is not another setting in the game. It's a uh, 
you beat a certain boss and hard mode activates after that, which introduces new ores, a ton of new enemies, and like all these areas that were safe to you. Like the most dangerous area in the base game becomes the only safe place uh, in hard mode. And it doesn't get any safer, it's just the entire rest of the world gets insane. Yeah, that sort of thing is really appealing to me. It really gives the sense of, like, a grand adventure, right? Like, when you reach a certain point and, like, the entire world changes and you have to face the consequence of that, that's just really cool. Yeah. And there's, like, a little bit of lore and stuff. And, like, they, they've added some stuff that uh, changes the way NPC housing works because, like, the typical strat in uh, Terraria is to just build a giant apartment that all of your NPCs live in. Yeah. But now they've made it so that like certain NPCs like each other or don't like each other, and certain NPCs like certain biomes and stuff. So there's actually a reason to build across the entire world instead of doing all your building in one place, which I think is a great addition. I, I've seen some complaints that it's kind of forcing people to play a certain way, because like a lot of people already did build across the whole world because they wanted to. But I am far more likely to do it now, and I like that I'm being forced to do it, but I am also somebody that... like has respect, like, a ton of respect for, like, the way a game is intended to be played. Yeah. And people that don't have that, you know, they want to play their own way, they're not going to like that. And that's not... I feel like the con- the connotation of what I'm saying might be a little mean. I'm not saying that those people are wrong at all. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people are not super into it. And there are, like, some secret mechanics that have been added in this update that are a little controversial. Like, stuff as small as, like, the torches you use in different areas have an effect on the RNG of not only the items you can find, but, like, your attacks can have worse RNG on how much damage they do. See, like, saying something like that, just the level of, I guess, the interconnectedness of the various systems is just sort of overwhelming to me. Like, it, like It's such a dense game at this point. Like, when it first came out, you know, you played through it and you probably saw everything. But, like, now they've they've gone back, and when they do updates to Terraria, they don't add on to the end, usually they add more meat to the middle. And now there's yeah. just like Terraria is a game where you can open it up. You have no idea what you're doing, but if you go do something, you're likely to end up getting stronger. And yeah, that's and the like, goal of the game is to get stronger. You know, there's not really any other incentive. Yeah. I mean, it's so exciting to hear that, especially someone who's like pretty new. Like I tried Terraria once, I think with you, Connor, like yeah, we, it was at an we, extra life, yeah. Yeah, we tried it, like, briefly, and I had a lot of fun, but we just never continued it past that point. Like, from the perspective of someone who's, like, pretty brand new, like, just diving into this gigantic, like, dense world, like, I don't know, that's a that's a very exciting prospect. Yeah. I... It's such a good game, guys. <laughs> I, I, and, like, I, I learned an interesting fact. Apparently it's, like, the, I think it's, like, 12th, the 12th best-selling game of all time. Something crazy like that. Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous... I mean, I picked this game up for $2.50, and I ha, it is my most played game on Steam at, I believe, 405 hours. Yeah. 409. Like, the, the money-to-hour ratio there. And I, I honestly can't say that I haven't enjoyed a single moment of that. Like, every moment of that I have... Like, the soundtrack is amazing, so even when I'm just sitting there fishing, like, a little board, like, you know, an absolute banger is playing behind it. Like, I love the art style. Like, it, it has, it's building, in my opinion, the building controls are not as good as Starbound. And I, I don't like Starbound, so that's that's a, a tough thing for me to say. But the Was art it style, made by the same creator? No. No, it was not. Okay. Uh, one of the Starbound creators worked on Terraria early on, but Starbound has a pretty controversial development, and it shouldn't even be controversial. It's bad. They did a bad thing. They did a lot of bad things, and they shouldn't have done it. What'd they do? Uh, basically, unpaid child labor on Starbound. Oh, right. I remember hearing about this. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, it's it's a touchy topic for me. But uh, yes, t- Terraria. You know that guy left. Uh, Starbound, people were excited for it because Terraria had announced that they were discontinuing development, but obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> so Yeah, so, like, how likely do you think it is that, like, this is it, like, actually? I think it's quite likely. I mean, I just don't know what they would add after this that would even have an impact. Like, they added golf in this update. Like, you know, what, what else have could you, you Have you tried it yet? You tried I don't know how to golf? do it. I It hasn't come up. I imagine it's a, probably a hard mode thing. Uh... 
but I don't know. I I don't know how to get it. So no. So like in the context of your new adventure with your friends here, like how far into the game are you? It sounds we, like you're not to hard mode yet or whatever. We are not to hard mode. Um, we probably we probably will get there in the next couple days. It's hard to say how far we are because like if we are playing classic mode, we could be in hard mode in an hour. But where we're on master mode, we have to do everything so cautiously. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, I I mean for the people that play Terraria, I have platinum armor right now. I have a full suit of platinum armor, which is the highest tier of ore that you can mine without going to hell. Um, or no, I have a full suit of demonite, which is one tier higher than platinum, because uh, you have to kill the bosses to get demonite. Uh, we've got some meteorites to mine. That's a thing you can do to get in-game armor or original uh, end end of easy mode armor. Uh, so there's there's a couple more things we need to clean up. We haven't explored the jungle fully. There's another boss there we need to fight. Um, we haven't fought the boss Skeletron, which is guarding the dungeon. The dungeon has a bunch of really powerful items we're gonna need to get before we trigger hard mode. So like, we could trigger hard mode right now. Probably we could probably beat that boss. But if we did, we'd be absolutely boned. Uh, like, we would not be able to play the game on this world anymore because the world would get so dangerous that we wouldn't even be able to leave our base, probably. So after you activate hard mode, how much of the game is left? Uh, probably two-thirds. Wow. Yeah. Um, cause so I they, guess what I'm getting at is, like, how how long can a player... Like, for a player like me, a new player, how much can I expect a, a playthrough to take? Uh, a brand new player, if you're not using wikis a ton and stuff, I'd say probably like 80 hours. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like that's what my first playthrough was. It was big. It was seven. I don't know. Because, like, yeah, because there's just so much to figure out and stuff. Like, even how to summon the bosses is pretty tough to figure out the first time. Yeah. I think when I played with you, I think we killed, like, one boss. Thing. Yeah. That sounds about right. Right, and that was, and we only played for a few hours and stuff, but that was because you had me like knowing the game inside and out, and uh, yeah, speed speed running it basically. Have yeah. you played uh, Terraria, Mike? You're you're Mike. Yes, I have. <laughs> what what uh do you have thoughts on 1.4? Have you given it a shot yet? Or I have not played the new update yet. I'm kind of waiting to do it with my stream at some point. But, you know, I'm in Valorant fever right now. <laughs> Still. Still? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you do, let me know. You know. Oh, they added mod support in this update as well. So that's a oh, whole, yeah. nother, uh, whole nother world to jump into. Because this game has some massive mods. Uh, I've played a good chunk of the mods. and all of them I, I've never played really any good. of them. So that's a whole, like, vat of content for me to enjoy. Yeah, that's really exciting. Because, like, I think... Way, way back in the day when Minecraft finally added mod support, that sort of made it really explode. Like, the possibility, the possibilities really became endless. Like, all sorts of content was available, and I think something similar will happen with Terraria, obviously, because it's such a massive game. Yeah. So I guess we can go into what we've been playing. Uh, obviously, I Connor... I just did, yeah, my yeah, Terraria thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds great. I definitely initially I talked about joining you, right? But like I think after thinking about it a little more, I think I'd much prefer to jump in on my own or at least with a separate group because like your group is really experienced and knows their way through the game pretty well. I want someone uh, I want people who will share my experience of like experiencing it for the first time. Uh, yeah, I'd say, because Terraria is not a game you play through once. I don't think there's anybody in the world that's played through Terraria once. So, like, I think you play through it once, and then when you're ready to do a master mode playthrough, let me know, and I'll hop in on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or not master yeah, mode, but expert mode, because there's expert mode is slightly harder, but not, like, crippling like master mode is. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, so I guess I can go into what I've been playing. There's a couple of things to talk about here, but I think the primary thing here is Spore. So, true uh, my word, at the end, uh, in the last episode, I said I was going to buy this at the end of the episode, and I did. And I've put in a few hours into it, and I, I'm sorry, guys, but I don't really like it, <laughs> unfortunately. So, I, 
I'm in like the third stage, the tribal stage. So I don't know how much drastically better or worse it'll get from this point. But basically, I my thoughts on the game so far are that like the first stage was the most entertaining, like the the cellular stage or whatever, when you're just a little like blob floating around and consuming other blobs. But when I when I got to the creature stage, like, and I, I mentioned this this to Connor a bit uh, offline, but like, it was just so stupidly hard for me. And I know it's not supposed to be difficult, but it was for me for whatever reason. Maybe I was just playing it incorrectly or whatever, but like, it was such a struggle for me to get past that stage. And then in the tribal stage, like, I just found the controls kind of unintuitive and like, it just wasn't clicking with me at all. So I don't know, maybe you guys could shed some light. What am I doing wrong? Or maybe the game just isn't for me or what? I mean, I'd say the game's probably just not for you. Like, I mean, we warned you about some of Spore's uh, quirks and stuff, but um, if you don't like... If you didn't like the creature stage, you're probably not going to like the rest of the game. Because uh, the civ- the civilization stage, which comes after tribal, is basically just tribal, but with vehicles instead of troops. And a little yeah. bit more complicated. And then civil or uh, space stage is like creature stage, but your creature's a spaceship, and you're upgrading your spaceship all the time. Yeah, so I guess that's slightly disappointing to hear. So I think right now i'm leaning towards just not continuing but like i'm glad i gave it a shot just to see what all the fuss was about i mean this is a game that's been in the recesses of my mind for many years now and i'm finally able to experience it and even though i didn't like it too much but like at least i tried i guess um so i did play spore Another game I've sort of gave a shot was Stellaris, and I know Mike, you bought Ooh, that game man. as well. I played a lot of Stellaris recently. Yeah, so I, I I'm not I'm gonna leave. I'll probably leave it to you to talk more about that. But like I played a little bit, I maybe like a couple hours, and I'm still sort of getting acclimated to the game. It's I know Mike, you've played a lot more strategy games than I have. This is new to me uh, because I guess. Uh, I'm not used to, I guess, how do I want to say this? It's the game, like, you can pause and unpause it, right? So there aren't any turns like Civilization. So it's, like, more in the the grand strategy vein of games, where I'm more used to, like, the 4X games. So, like, getting used to that, that's, that's like, a lot to take care of. Um, And just, to me at least, I feel like new mechanics are being introduced so quickly, I feel like it's almost overwhelming, and granted, that's probably just because, like, I'm not used to these types of games, but I think it's exciting to to just finally get a hold on all of it once I finally do. But, like, I'm still way too early into Stellaris to give an opinion either way. But, um... But, yeah, that, there you go. So, like, I... Yeah, so, I have been... Like I said, I've been searching for like a grand strategy slash 4x game in space, so I'm I'm glad I, I'm giving Stellaris a shot. I also briefly gave Endless Space 2 a shot, and uh, I I mean I enjoyed what little I played of that. Again, it seems very complex and overwhelming. But Endless uh, Space 2 is not as complex, especially if you're playing some of the easier. Yeah, that's what to I'm getting to. I, I feel like Stellaris is way more complex than Endless Space, but. I think Endless Space, like you said, Mike, is a lot more closer to Civ because it does have, like, that turn counter, right? Like, you take turns instead of the game just progressing at a pace. So I imagine for, like, Stellaris multiplayer, you can't pause the game, right? Because that would just be silly. Yeah, so you just have to make your moves. So, like, I think maybe that would eventually, again, it's too early for me, but maybe that'll eventually turn into a minus for me because I don't like the fact that, like, people who are just really familiar with the game can just... uh, you know, like, react and click faster and just be better that way. I kind of like the fact that, like, in, you know, in Civ, you you have as long as you need to, like, sort of think about and plan out your strategies and implement them. Um, so we'll, we'll see where, where that mechanic, where I fall in that mechanic after I put some more time into it. But, yeah, so I gave Stellaris and Endless Space 2 a quick shot, but, like, I haven't played enough to really dive deep into either of them yet. Um... Yeah, so I've played those two games along with Spore, and I also jumped back into uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Because, uh, like, I think back when I left off, I was like 50 hours into the game, and the end was nowhere in sight. 
So, like, I just picked it back up because, like, that's the kind of game that, like, I feel like you can pick it back up pretty easily just because, like, the game does a good uh, job in its, like, quest log of just keeping you updated and, like, it's just so behemoth and massive. I feel like you can't beat it in one sitting. So I've put, like, six or so more hours, so I'm, like, 56 hours into the game. And what's crazy is, like, it seems like... So I, I, I completed, like, this sort of offshoot quest from the main story and doing that sort of opened up a whole new facet of the game that like just wasn't a thing before and i'm just sitting here kind of overwhelmed almost at this point it's just like how is this game so massive like like when 50 plus hours in i'm still discovering like entire new sides to this game i didn't even know existed so uh, very daunting, but also pretty exciting. I think that a game can still surprise you that after you've put that much time into it. But you're this making me kind of wish I picked it up the other day. But like again, like but all, you know, on the flip side, this may be a case of a game just being too massive. Like mm. it's just gigantic. It's insane. And uh, rumors are going around that you know initially the rumors went around that like uh valhalla was smaller than odyssey but now we're seeing the opposite that it is in fact bigger so who knows what's what the truth is honestly like i would hope like if i got to pick i would say like i think it'd be better if it was smaller uh just a little more focused right because assassin's creed odyssey does have a lot of bloat so like even like i'm i'm not even doing like most of the side missions now and i'm still like in over my head in terms of like stuff to do so I think trimming that back a little bit for Valhalla would be good, but like we'll see. I don't know. Now there are reports coming in that it's actually bigger. So yeah, I mean the idea of playing a game for 50 hours and having no end in sight is not really attractive to to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm still firmly in like the middle of the story. I'd say. Uh, just you know, I'm by my estimation. I could be wrong on that, but like that's what it seems like to me in Odyssey at least. Um, yeah. So that's a. Good recap, I think, of what I've been playing. What about you, Mike? So, I'm kind of in between on what I've been playing. Because I'm still playing a lot of Valorant, but I want to talk about Prey. Prey? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready to hear about Prey. That's, so, a, that's a game that really interests me. But I've been my it. Extra Life game for a little bit. Like, I'll play it at spooky times at Extra Life. But oh, so I saw, I've seen you play some yeah, of this when I was trying to sleep on that couch. Yeah. Yeah. But... As far as immersive sims go, I really enjoy them. I enjoyed Dishonored. I enjoyed Deus Ex and Prey. Oh boy. That game scares the living crap out of me. Right. So the only thing I know about Prey is that like what are they called? Like replicants? Is that what they're called? No. Maybe maybe not. But like the the things that can like this is a game with like the things that can just like pose as normal objects, right? Oh, yeah, and then attack you. Mimics, yes. Oh, those are the least of my problems. It's the phantoms that really get you. Mimics are easy to deal with. What's a phantom? A phantom is like this crude imitation of the human form. And, man, do they hurt. Like, if they see you, you're going to get hurt bad. And since the game is not kind to you in the early stages, if you don't know what you're doing, I never have enough medkits and I die in one shot. Yeah. (laughs) So... It, I love immersive sims because they give me the option to do what I want. But Prey kind of forced me into a corner of, uh-oh, you've run out of medkits. you got to be more stealthy. Yeah, you or just have- you just got to chuck recycler charges at them until they disintegrate into usable crafting materials. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I wonder, like, so immersive sim, when you say that, like, that, that means, like, I, I I've played Dishonored before, but like I'm trying to figure out like what exactly makes it an immersive sim, you know? Oh boy, have I got the video for you? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, now I'll, I'll send that to you later. But essentially, an immersive sim, it's a game that derives everything from systems. So like, it's a game that kind of like it has a story usually, but the most interesting part of the game is the stories you make yourself through the interaction of these systems. So, like, Breath of the Wild has a lot of immersive sim DNA in it, almost. Okay, interesting. That, uh, would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah. So, like, 
you know, you've got all these systems in Deus Ex. You've got like that. That's the only immersive sim I've really played. But you've got these stealth systems, these combat systems, and everything, and they all intermingle so seamlessly that like your playthrough of a level is not going to be like anyone else's playthrough of that level. So you you kind of gotcha. get to combine okay. this well architectured game design and everything along with the chaos of a player that can do whatever they want. Yeah. I see. Okay, like that... a problem in, say, Prey. Say there's a bunch of bricks, or there's an object in your way. You could move it out of your way. You could blow it up with a gas canister. You could throw a recycler charge at it and turn it into little cubes of crafting materials. There's a lot of options you could do in just that little scenario. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I think I definitely have a bit better picture of what constitutes an immersive sim would you classify uh, bioshock as an immersive sim bioshock is definitely trying to be an immersive it's sim. trying but it doesn't have enough systems per se yeah i think i agree with what you're saying yeah because it I was comes thinking, from an immersive sim like system shock. system shock yeah yeah system shock is an immersive sim anything with like a robust like most immersive sims nowadays have a robust stealth system a robust combat system even though a lot of them that I have played, combat is the worst thing that you could do because you're going to end up screwing yourself out of experience or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Even though there's so many cool weapons. Yeah, yeah that's what, an issue I have with Dishonored 2, which is kind of immersive semi, and I've always wanted to pick it up. But I feel like I'm playing the game wrong if I'm not doing stealth. But it looks way more fun to not was, use stealth. Yes, I was actually just about to comment. From what little I've played of Dishonored, like I feel like that game plays much better when you're using stealth, but obviously you have so many options at your disposal to do other things. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I, I guess I never really... I was always aware of this genre, but I didn't really know why it was called that. But like now that I know, I think I I think it's, uh, it's an interesting category. I think that... Uh, Unfortunately, I feel like it's not all too popular. Like it I really know, like isn't. Dishonored, the Dishonored games didn't sell too well. But like I think it's, it's it's a unique uh, unique kind of genre we have to offer in our in our industry. Yeah, it's kind of a game you can't really sell to a non gamer. Like exactly, yes, you said it way better than I did. Because these systems, like if you've been playing video games forever, these systems make sense. But a lot of the time, if you're coming at these with like real world perspective instead of gamer perspective. Some of it's nonsense. Like, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, they, their audience is limited, but uh, I mean they're they're so oblique. Even I don't play a ton of them. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly like a genre I don't have too much experience in. But um, Mike, aside from Prey, have you you mentioned you've been playing a Stellaris a bit? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I've finally reached like the end stage of a Stellaris game. Like, I'm 11 years from the end turn, end game. Or not even the end game. I've already finished the end game. I've beaten off the AI Rebellion or whatever it was. I'm 11 years from the game officially ending and me coming out on top. Okay, so you've experienced way more of it than I have. Like, what are your overall sort of thoughts? It gets hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, it gets super hard towards the end. Are there, like, different win conditions, like in Civ? Like can you win? No, like, there is only one win condition, and that's uh, it. The only win condition is to survive, basically, and to come out on top in terms of score, which you earn through various bits. Interesting. Okay. Whatever. So did you like, just take a long pause because you're playing Warframe during our podcast? Probably. <laughs> I had to focus for a second. I'm running through my dailies, and apparently this daily requires a lot more concentration than the previous ones. <laughs> previous ones i just had to shoot stuff uh but stellaris is it gets difficult towards the end especially since at some point in the last hundred years the big super powerful fallen empires which i you might have encountered already i have not encountered anyone okay yet. so fallen empires are empires that you look at at the beginning of the game and every single little bit of data that you have says overwhelming <laughs> like you oh, so like all the ruins them. and stuff you find. Not even that. They are living, breathing empires that kind of ah. show up. Okay. And once they awaken, they start 
taking over the galaxy if you do not st- try to stop them. Luckily, I had built myself Scary. up large enough that I could just take them down in a one-on-one straight fight. But if you don't, if you're not careful, they can easily move across the galaxy. And trying to take it out was akin to pulling hairs because every time I'd get progress, he'd be conquering another nation on the other side of the map, <laughs> and I'd have to go over there to fight him. Sounds very stressful. It was super stressful. It's like I was never in danger because he couldn't make it into my star systems, but it was so hard because I'd wipe his fleet out, and then all of a sudden he'd be on the other side of the map conquering an empire I've never heard of or I'd already had dealings with. So I guess I guess my question is, like, I always hear how replayable Stellaris is, but, like, if there's only one sort of win condition and, like... Like I guess I'm I, I'm starting I'm just wondering like how how do the playthroughs differ each time? Oh, generally I've never it's really rare, especially with paradox grand strategies, to reach the end game. Like that's the most boring part. What's really boring, what's really the big part of it is the unpredictability that comes before the end game. Because there are three end game crises. If you have the Leviathan's DLC, there's a chance that. Two fallen empires will wake up and then they'll fight each other. Okay. There's just so many underlying systems that make the mid game super interesting. I see. And that okay. transfers into the late game. So yeah, I think I'm starting to get a picture in my head about like how this is different from a 4x game. Like it's like a door fortress or a rim world where the fun is winning, or the fun isn't winning. The fun is in the meat in the middle gotcha okay so you're saying that like if i play through the game once and restart just due to the sheer number of possible things that can happen in the mid game like it'll just be different yeah that second playthrough you could have a connie awaken and conquer everything if they really wanted to or you could have like maybe an ai rebellion the endgame crises are also interesting because they have a chance of proccing. Like, I guess someone in my universe decided to mess with robots and got a little too far and caused an AI rebellion that I had to demolish. But it's a game that has so many underlying systems and such a robust mid-game. That's where the fun is. It's yeah. not in the early. Okay. That's uh, that's good to know because I I was admittedly getting a little bored with the early game because I'm still at the stage where I'm like, build science ship, go to star, explore it, send construction ship, build a star base. That's basically all I've been doing. Oh yeah, but, that's basically early. It gets more interesting once you actually like reach the mid game where and there's not a lot of unexplored systems and unclaimed yeah. systems. But like with even that, I feel like there was such a like an avalanche of information with for someone who doesn't usually play these kinds of games, right? So like I was dealing with like I was learning like hey like on your planets themselves you can like construct things and assign people to things and like hire governors and scientists and engineers and like your space stations can build things too and like all like just I know it probably sounds pretty basic to you who's like gone through the entire game, but like. Me going through this for the first time, not being used to these kind of grand strategy games, it was it was like a lot, and it was exciting too because I love uh, I love like tons of systems like that. So it's 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 kind of exciting to hear that that just keeps expanding and expanding the more you play. Yeah. And like I've reached the point in the game where I'm dealing with overpopulation in a in a planet that I can't even build more housing in. Yeah. So <laughs> like, what do you do at that point? Uh, you just let the overpopulation happen. Like, I have a massive job shortage on my capital planet, but I've run out of space to build more jobs. So I just have to hope and pray that they decide to immigrate to my city world, which I kind of subtly influence through discouraging population growth and encouraging it on my city world. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, definitely sounds like there's a lot more meat to this game that I need to I need to experience before I can intelligently comment on it. And I do think, like, the the idea of the multiplayer, like, yeah, it not being uh, strictly turn-based is kind of unfortunate, but on the other hand, I think maybe it's kind of exciting the fact that, like, 
if you jump in a multiplayer game with a bunch of your friends, it's like tense because you know like the clock's ticking for everyone, you know. Yeah. It it get rid gets rid of the classic 4x problem of someone stalling a turn for so long and unless you have turn yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, that's so yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that's like been a problem with me before with some of my friends when I play Civ, like like one of my friends, like he consistently just like watches TV while he plays Civ and sometimes he just forgets to do his turn and it's very annoying. So that sort of thing won't be possible with uh with this game. Yeah, you gotta be a hundred percent in or you're gonna fail. <laughs> I had to yell right. in there. That wasn't Warframe. <laughs> no, you're good. But I, I really enjoy Paradox Grand Strategies, and I can't speak bad of them, other than maybe uh, Imperator Rome, which I haven't played yet, but I've heard nothing but bad things about. So I guess in so. your in, in your words, what is the difference between a Grand Strategy and a 4X game? Uh, grand Strategy, like I considered Stellaris a 4X because it fills the 4Xs. Oh, really? Okay. Whereas something like Crusader Kings or to the early parts of EU4 before you start colonizing, you are less focused on expanding and exploiting and more of fighting wars, managing your empire. It's more middle management in the grand strategy point than it is I see. exploiting and exterminating and expanding or even exploring since the world's visible. Stellaris, the early game, is expand and explore. Right, And then towards the end, you move to exploiting. And then eventually, in the mid-game, you move to exterminating. Because you're going to have border friction. I had eight different wars with one of my neighbors because they kept putting their crime offices in my in my planets and causing my crime to skyrocket. Jeez. So I – and they, they didn't even have any power. I just had to fight the war of inconvenience – when I was fighting this larger war against this super powerful civilization, because they rose my crime levels to a hundred percent in all my planets. That's crazy. It's crazy that stuff like that can even happen. Yeah, I'm just talking about it. I'm excited to. I'm excited to get b- further into the game. Do you like, typically play at like normal speed or like fast speed? Oh, I play it at the fast speed. Really? Okay, so <laughs> I maybe I've been I've end, been though. playing it a little wrong then, because like what I do usually, <laughs> what I've been doing is that I hit pause. Do all of my moves that I can possibly think of, and then hit play and wait for oh yeah something no, to run out. Pause, do your moves and then go to normal, then go to fast speed. Okay, so I've I've just been going to normal speed. I'll, I'll uh, take your advice on that. I only go down. Gone again. <laughs> I only go down to slow speed when I'm like watching a ship battle because it's real cool early game. Late game, it just gets into a laser show, but you know that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's what happens when you have, like, massive fleets. Right now, I've just got, like, two ships. I have, I think, four Titans and one Dreadnought, I think. That sounds pretty scary, but I don't that's really a, know what that is. a lot of force. Yeah. It's it's enough that the Fallen Empire that didn't wake up is now... Was originally my sugar daddy because I found a head of a prophet. And that allowed me to colonize his worlds, and he would just give me random gifts of, like, lots of money because I was this chosen one. And I could not do bad in the eyes of this fallen empire. So. <laughs> Crazy. I basically dwarfed his power and he no longer gives me gifts because he has nothing to give me. Yeah. Like, even in, since I have federations, I have access to the galactic community. I am the Senate. <laughs> if I <laughs> vote on a resolution, it goes through. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have 63k diplomatic weight, which is kind of the measurement of how powerful you are in the diplomatic scene. The next closest person has 10k. So my vote matters a lot more than any other vote in the galaxy. (laughs) You just wanted to use that line? I mean, I was using it the entire time, and a good chunk of my Senate tomfoolery is laughing like Palpatine. (laughs) Because yeah. I'm not a Sith Lord, I'm benevolent. I have only fight wars against that stupid slug empire to my north. Hey man, That's the, the only people I've been conquering. Palpatine seemed benevolent until he suddenly wasn't. 
or the war with the uh, Empire to the South that later got eaten by the Fallen Empire. Like I was fighting, I saw them get declared war declared on the Fallen Empire, and they started claiming my provinces, so I started fighting them, and now they're out of the game. From your point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> I am the Jedi at this point. He 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 was the aggressor in this war. I was just trying to like clean up everything. Mike. Are you all the Sith? <laughs> all right. All right. I think that's going to do it for this uh, episode. Yeah, I was Sith. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to leave and play more Stellaris. I've, I've talked myself into playing more. I'm going to so, play Borderlands Three. Oh, fun! It was twenty dollars on Epic. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, thank you, Connor and Mike, for recording. Yep. See you next week, guys. See you yep. next week. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Click the link in the description of the podcast to join our Discord. Uh, please like, rate, and review us on all the podcast services, including iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anything else you may use. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.